But these are, these are incredible. They, they're packed with some, some stuff inside. There's some interesting things inside. I just want to ask, who wants to help me break this? Hey, here we go. Come. All right, let's see here. Let's see if you're strong enough. Are you strong enough? Are you sure? Okay, let's go for it. Yay! What's inside there? What's that? Hey, what is that? A wolf thing you can make. A joke. And a joke. And what is that over there? That's a crown. What, what fascinates me is who keeps the gift now? Is it you? Okay, there we go. You can win it. All right, there we go. Thanks, I just give it up. It's so good, but. Listen, I've got some jokes here, guys. Let me just, uh, let me just, yeah, we have to do the joke thing, you know? You have to do the joke thing. So let's just bear with me right now as we do the joke thing. What's Santa's favorite type of music? Rap. Lauren, can you help me back there? Let's quickly change the spelling. Oh, my word. It's supposed to be W-R-A-P. Okay, rap. What does Santa's little helpers learn at school? The alphabets. There we go. Who was that? Come on. And what did the stamp say to the Christmas card? Stick with me and we'll go places. The Christmas cracker, if you didn't know, was developed by a man called Tom Smith in 1845. In 1845, this tradition since then has continued. But amazingly, in 1861, he added the little boom inside. That little strip that you pull, he added in there. Why? Because he launched this new cracker, which he called Bangs of Expectation. Bangs of Expectation, which it is. It's like as you pull it, there's stuff inside. And, well, I always get confused. Who actually keeps the gift? Like, is the person giving, like, come and join me, or is it the person that is joining you? I don't know. But all I know is that around the McKinley Christmas table, our family and friends would gather, and we'd have this incredible time. We would feast, we'd celebrate, we would joke. We'd have incredible moments of, of just celebrating as a family around the Christmas table. But if I was to ask everyone at the table if they would use the word peace, to describe their lives. I know that for many, they would probably have used the words rushed, anxious, depressed, weary, chaotic, or fearful. A moment of celebrating around the table can be a distraction from what's really going on, but I know that all the gifts, the laughter, the festivities will end, and I will wake up in the morning and be faced with my realities. And as we continue in the Christmas season, as we continue even celebrating this incredible time of the year, and maybe we are caught up with the celebratory moments of feasting and presents and family and everything else that comes with Christmas, I want to be asked, I want to ask you the question, can you say that you are at peace? Can you say that you truly are at peace? As we continue today with our Christmas series, He is Called, let's read the portion of Scripture that we have been reading up until now. And I'd like to welcome Jasmine. She's going to read for us Isaiah 9, verse 6. 
to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jasmine. Appreciate it. What I love about today's topic for Christmas 2023 is that with all the wars and conflicts raging in our world, people choosing sides, people marching down streets, we can come to this one day, today, and read a portion of scripture and touch on the subject of who ultimately is the Prince of Peace. What comes to mind when I, when I use the word peace? I know what comes to my mind is I have a picture of two lovers, if I can use that term, standing together in the middle of a tornado, where there's chaos around, there's just things flying, debris, there's, there's parts of houses just flooding around this, these two individuals, but inside they are at complete peace, unscathed, unharmed, focused together, engrossed in each other's love. And I believe that even today, we, we find ourselves in, in a world that is out of control. Things are flying around everywhere, accusations, comments, people, bombs are being dropped in places, and yet people are being destroyed and broken, but yet we read a portion of Scripture which calls us to look today upon the one who's called Prince of Peace, the one who ultimately brings peace to our land, to our hearts, and ultimately for us forever and ever. This picture reminds me of a carol we sing called Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright, but what, what is happening behind the scenes in this moment of this carol being sung is not silent. It's not holy. It's not calm or bright, but rather noise, deafening confusion, sinfulness, where all is out of control, where darkness is all around. Silent Night was sung about Jesus in the manger, but you must realize that all around that, rain, that manger, it was chaos, darkness, confusion. Why? Because Herod was out to kill all the firstborns. Could you imagine having a, a newly born baby fearing for your life or fearing for the life of your child, waiting for a knock at the door as the soldiers were commissioned to find all the first newborns and to slaughter them? This is the moment when we sing silent nights, all is holy night, all is calm and all is bright. Actually, that calmness, that moment is found in a place of peace because Jesus is there. Everywhere else, there is no peace. The Prince of Peace, I want to remind us today, is not found in a baby in a manger, but Jesus sitting on a throne. That's where the Prince of Peace is. That is where we look to. We don't look this Christmas season to a baby in a manger. We look to one who is seated on the throne, the one who rules and reigns for all eternity. And Isaiah, 700 years before this moment in history, is not wanting us to get caught up with the cuteness of this helpless baby, but he's wanting our eyes to be fixed on the one where all government is on his shoulders, the one who stands secure, the one who is seated on the throne, the one who conquers sin and death, the one who we call our Savior and Lord. That's what Isaiah is helping us in Isaiah 9 verse 6. We cannot just end in verse 6. We, we have to continue, and I'd love to continue in verse 7 today. Of the increase of his government 
and of peace. There's that word again. There will be no end. Don't you love that? Oh man, there is no end. It just continues and continues and continues. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time. Which time? This time. Our time. The place you find yourself in right now from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, our peace is not found in, in, a, in a breathing technique or a body posture or even finding the perfect environment like on top of a mountain or going to a retreat somewhere in the middle of nowhere to escape it all. No, but rather peace is found right here, right now, because Jesus is present. You all look at me going, what are you talking about? You see, the world would lead us on this journey of trying to find peace in different spaces. Try and find peace outside, out there, out of the chaos, out of the confusion. But ultimately, our peace is not in a destination. Our peace is in a person, Jesus. That means in the conflict, in the hardship, in the environment you find yourself in right now, you can find peace. A peace that is supernatural, a peace that is not dictated by world affairs, a peace that is not dictated by financial success or the lack thereof, it is found because Jesus is present. Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Isaiah 26 continues, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What's interesting is that in the original Hebrew text, there was no word for the word perfect. The word perfect wasn't used. So this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 26 would have read, you will keep him in shalom, shalom. The word in Hebrew for peace is shalom, and it would repeat itself, shalom, shalom. It would reemphasize the important that there's a perfection around shalom, that we need to reemphasize it again. The importance of it is worth repeating. The importance of it is worth reminding ourselves that it's not something that we just quickly read over, but it's something that needs to cause us to sit up and wait and pay attention. I remember studying for matric, for those of you who have just passed matric or you don't know yet, but I trust that you have. I was once there in an all-boys school, probably the last, you know, you used to get graded all the A and B classes, and then the rest of us, and then, or not us, and then you had sort of the G and H class at the end. That's where I mostly camped. I was like with the G guys, or the H guys at the bottom. But I remember studying for physical science, and this is how it went. The school produced... You'd have these big textbooks this thick. The school produced a small textbook this small, photocopied a whole bunch of pages only to help us in prioritizing what we needed to study. And then we would sit with the teacher, and the teacher in front of all these 30 boys would say, get out your highlighters, boys. And we'd say, yes, ma'am. And then she would go, and this is how it would go. I'm not joking. I'm telling the truth. She'd say, this is important for the exams, as she read. And you'd say, yes, ma'am. And then we'd carry on reading. And then she'd say, this is very important for the exams. And then maybe you took out your pen and underlined it a bit, but kept your highlighter in your other hand because it was coming. And what was coming was this. She would say, boys, 
Pay attention. This is very, very important. And the minute she said that, you would highlight that line, knowing that you needed to pay attention to that when studying. And in the same way, this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 26 is helping us be reminded of the importance of this. As the word is repeated, what happens is the word is intensified. The meaning is highlighted. The importance is that peace is not an ordinary peace, but it's something far more significant. The steadfastness that we read of in Isaiah 26 refers to an unwavering trust and devotion where the mind remains anchored to the Lord regardless of circumstances. It involves fixing our thoughts on His character, on His promises and truth, even when faced with trials of uncertainty. Today I'd like to remind us that in Christ we discover three expressions of peace. And the first one is this. In Christ we discover upward peace. Once we have peace with God, we are ready for real peace within. Let me say that again. Once we have peace with God, this peace, then we are ready to have peace within. Often people will say, I need to sort out my life before I come to God. I need to sort out the problems in my life before I come to Him. And I want to say, no, 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 exclamation mark, exclamation mark. It's the other way around. You first come and you sort out your peace with Christ, with God Himself, and then you are able to address the remainder. You might be sitting here saying, hey, Mark, I know God, I'm a follower of Christ, but ultimately, I'm not sure if, if even if yet to say today, if, if I was to, to walk out of this building and, and find myself in a hospital on my deathbed, will I truly say that I'm at peace with God? And I want to encourage you this afternoon, won't you put your faith in Christ again? Won't you be reminded again that Above all things, the greatest peace you can ever have is the peace that you have with the Lord Almighty. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest need for peace in our world today is an upward peace, a peace with God. Number two, in Christ we discover inward peace. Once we have peace with God, we are ready for real peace within. Real peace within. You might be sitting here and you're saying, hey, I'm not sure if I can, I have inward peace. I'm not sure if I've even activated something of this peace. I'm not sure if, if I truly understand how to press into something of this peace. I want to read to you John 14 verse 1. And it's a simple portion of scripture. Do not let your heart be troubled. What do you mean? Well, do not let your heart be troubled. There is an important element in this sentence which can be overlooked. Jesus uses the word let. He uses the word let. Don't let your heart be troubled. The problem for the believer is that he lets his heart be troubled. Mark, this is too simple. Surely it's not so simple. It is simple. Let me give you a little bit of a story. I remember growing up as a little child. My mom would say, it's time for bed. And on the farm, we had this long passage. Right to the end was my room, and there was my bed. And I'd look down this passage late at night. My heart would start to race because I realized I had to run with all my might down the passage. And then, like a long jumper, 
in the Olympics, I had to launch into my bed as far away from what was lurking underneath my bed. Yeah, you're laughing because we all were there. Something is lurking under my bed. And what would happen, I would launch, and then as I'd hit there, I would pull up the duvet right up to here because I had worked out that whatever that was that was under my bed, this was too hard for it to penetrate. So everything else in my body, it was a bit more tender. So it's a funny little story as a child would, but ultimately it's what happens in life. We let ourselves believe something. A simple thing like that of, of potentially there's something under my bed, there's something that is out to get me under the bed. You start to play, you start to let yourself entertain something of this, and what escapes out the door is a sense of peace. Because we allow fear to get in. What's going to happen next year? Oh, my word, will I have a job? Maybe the economy might tank. Oh, my word, what is going to happen with interest rates? Oh, please let it plummet. No, it might go up. Oh, <laughs> there's something under my bed. I'm letting the narratives of our age invade my world. John 14 verse 20 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Such an important portion of scripture. The world would say, you want peace? Just spend some money. You want peace? Go on that, on that holiday. I'm not saying those are all bad things. I'm just saying that those aren't the things that ultimately will give us the peace inwardly that we are looking for. It carries on and says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus repeats his peace he says it twice again in this portion of Scripture. He says, peace I leave, my peace I give. Whatever is worrying you today, whatever is causing you anxiety, it's not from God. He did not want you and I to live without an inward peace. And my last point is this. In Christ, we discover outward peace. The third kind of peace we need to be aware of is a peace with people around us. We are called upon as Christians, and if you're not a Christ believer here, I would love to call you to something of this, but ultimately Christ calls us to be people that are peacemakers, arriving in environments of tension and brokenness and ultimately being the ones who issue the change that is needed through our love and our acceptance and the incredible peace that we live with to be able to be sent out into the world that we live in. Hebrews 12 verse 14 said, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Romans 12 verse 18 reminds us as well. It says, If it is possible as far as it depends on you. Isn't that important? The responsibility on you and I. The responsibility is rested upon you. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Just as we end off, I'd love to call the musicians that are going to just facilitate this moment up to the stage. Maybe today you have unfinished business with someone. Or maybe even with a few. It never makes sense, you might be saying, to, to bring peace to others, but it does make sense when you're at peace with Him. When you're at peace with God and with 
peace with yourself, all of a sudden when you look around you, you have the ability to start to release peace into the environments that you find yourself in. From under his authority and rule, peace reigns. A soul that is well is a soul that is at peace with God, with oneself and with others. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 48 and 66 likens peace to a river, something that is moving, refreshing, and consistent. I don't feel that the life we live potentially is refreshing or consistent. Maybe your life is not, but I wanna encourage you that, that something of the peace that is like a river spoken of in this incredible book of Isaiah reminds us again that as we live in this world, as we face this world, as we even go tomorrow morning and we wake up and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate his birth not because of the peace he finds in a manger, but it's because of the peace that he is ruling over because he's seated on the throne. There is an old hymn I'd love to read over us. I trust as I read it that you would respond by turning to God as the Prince of Peace so that your inner peace and the peace with others would cause you to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I trust that as we leave today that, that you truly, after I've read this old hymn, you would truly leave this place saying, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. nailed to the cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul come before you this afternoon, we know that we are celebrating you. 
We're celebrating your birth. Christmas is a time of family. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of joyfulness, joy to the world. But I pray, God, that even though joy might be sung about, might be spoken about, might be seen through eyes all around, I I pray, God, that even this afternoon, Lord God, that truly we would come to a place where there is joy within. And that joy, Father, is only found because we haven't left you in a manger, but we are seeing you high and lifted up. One who's conquered sin, who's conquered the grave, who is the Prince of Peace, where all governments, O God, will come to their knees before you, the great Prince of Peace. And so I pray for families tonight. I pray, God, even as we leave this place, as we've sung of your goodness, we've sung, Lord God, of who you are, and we've sung Noel, just speaking of the joy of those shepherds, those wise men, that moment, Lord God, in history that that people gathered around a babe, and, and actually this was prophesied 700 years before. What a moment in history. That moment of history would change the course of history forever. Jesus of Nazareth would be born, but that's not where it ends. You would live a perfect and sinless life that one day you would stand before all of humanity and all of humanity to come. And every sin and every brokenness and every disorder and every sickness would be nailed upon a cross. Your life before all man, displayed for all to see, butchered, harassed, accused falsely, but yet you stood crucified, buried, and on the third day you rose again. Why? Because Isaiah 700 years before would speak of a babe who does not remain in the manger, but a babe who would become the one that all governments would be rested upon his shoulders. And so I pray even today that as we leave this moment together, and we continue to celebrate that we would ask the three most important questions. Do I have peace with God? Do I have peace with myself? And do I have peace with others? In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks so much, Mark. Uh, Why don't you just stand where you are just for a moment. fantastic message and I, I pray that we all have a, have a moment before a meal, after a meal, sitting around with family where there's that moment of quiet, which is also a moment of peace, right? When everything's just quiet and you experience just a fresh love and grace of God on your life as He makes Himself real to you again this festive season. I really want to thank you guys for taking time out to come and join us to celebrate together. Uh, thank you to Mark and the team and others who just served and, uh, and helped set this up. It's a real sacrifice, but we appreciate it. Jasmine, well done for that reading. That was amazing. And uh, if you want to join us on Sundays, uh, don't come next Sunday. We won't be here. 
but we'll be meeting again from the 7th of Jan. So feel free to come along and join us. It'll be great to have you here. And on your way out, kids, there is going to be a candy cane for you. And uh, big kids, there'll be a lint ball for you. So yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Merry Christmas. Uh, drive safe. Have a fantastic time uh, with family and friends. We'll see you. Cheerio.